Good afternoon, this is Greg Lois, and uh, today I'm going to hijack the New Jersey Workers' Compensation webinar and talk about some cross-border issues. Uh, this is going to be uh, a lot of fun and, and exciting, and I hope everybody's ready for some good news for once, which I don't usually get to do in my role as a workers' compensation defense attorney. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about a new case law decision in New Jersey which is impacting medical provider claims filed in New Jersey, and it's impacting a lot of New York workers' compensation case. So we're gonna talk about that, and I'm gonna to try to give as much practical advice as I can uh, to our clients and people that are listening to this about how you can get rid of a lot of these uh, nonsense extraterritorial uh, workers' comp claims that you're defending in New Jersey. So this is really gonna be some good news, and I'm happy to give you this good news. I'm going to answer as many questions as I can at the end, so please type in any questions you have about today's topic. I already put a link in the meeting chat uh, to the case law decision that I'm going to be talking about predominantly today uh, so that you can have, download a copy of it from the Appellate Division's website itself. So let's dive right in, and again, uh, this is going to be a, a great opinion for you to print out. Uh, again, I put it in the meeting chat, and when you go to uh, cocktail parties this weekend or or uh, Halloween events, uh, you're definitely going to want to share this uh, decision with everyone there. and You will be the toast of the town. So let's begin. Uh, let's talk very quickly about what are these medical provider claims and what is it that I'm so excited about. Well, uh, approximately one in five cases filed in New Jersey Workers' Compensation Court right now are these application for provider payments. And essentially we have a provider who comes into a New Jersey workers' compensation court and says, I'm entitled to more money than I was paid by the uh, payor, which is typically the insurance carrier or less commonly the self-insured employer, for my medical services. I treated your workers' compensation claimant and I did not get paid what I am due. And, and they make this claim because New Jersey does not have a fee schedule. And so these providers are coming into court uh, saying to a poor judge of workers' compensation, uh, judge, you need to award me more money uh, for this medical care that I provided to this uh, New Jersey workers' compensation petitioner, the injured, injured worker. Now, the first question the judge of compensation will always ask is, uh, was there a contract between the parties? Because in New Jersey, you as the carrier or employer can choose the physician, uh, the provider, uh, the imaging center, the hospital who are going to be providing treatment to your uh, injured worker. And in general, uh, that will uh, end the application because there will be a contract between the two parties. But often, particularly in the context of medical or, uh, I'm sorry, emergent care, uh, some kind of emergency medicine, uh, specialists, uh, you'll see that there is no opportunity, there was no time to get a contract in place or to have the carrier or employer choose the physician. And for that reason, uh, the physician may be provided care on an emergent basis. Uh, more typically though, what we're seeing is doctors, uh, orthopedic surgeons, who are sending the petitioner to their own ambulatory surgery center that they themselves own in order to generate um, maybe a high bill. So let's talk about that. Now, these claims have a six-year statute of limitations, and again, there was case law in 2019 which established that. Typically, they resolve uh, where there is jurisdiction in the workers' compensation court, where the parties adjust essentially the 
uh, the issue between themselves. You know, carrier says, look, we want to pay you $3,000 for these 14 uh, physical therapy visits. And the provider says, well, I want $84,000. And somewhere in the middle that these matters resolve. And of course, we, the carrier or self-insured, say, you know what, we're never going to use that provider again. Or we say, we're going to take them off our list. Uh, or we're not going to have them in our network. Uh, or you maybe uh, put together a contract with them and say, if you ever get another one of my patients, uh, here's what I'm going to offer to pay you. So you can work that out in advance. Now, why are the providers doing this? Or why has this become so attractive for them? Well, typically, we're seeing of that one in five cases that are being filed in New Jersey, a huge percentage of them involve out-of-state claimants. That is, claimants who are getting care uh, under a New York workers' compensation claim but for some reason are traveling into New Jersey to get their surgeries or to have their care provided to them. Why is that? Well, let's talk about exactly why they do this. And the answer is because they can rip off you, the carrier or the employer. Uh, the New York fee schedule, for example, pays uh, $5,827 for a, a meniscal repair arthroscopic surgery to the knee. That is the fee schedule value. However, uh, the New Jersey medical provider who provides that service will typically bill over $60,000 for that same procedure. And they will then turn around to you, the carrier, and say, well, the procedure took place in New Jersey. New York's fee schedule does not apply. And for that reason, I want my $61,000. And they will make an argument that essentially that this is what is usual and customary in New Jersey. And for that reason, they are entitled to this enormous payment for these services. Uh, now, uh, this has been going on for a couple years now. And it has resulted in just an absolute deluge of filings. Uh, lots and lots of filings in New Jersey. Again, it's now at the point where one in five cases filed before the Division of Workers' Compensation is actually a medical provider claim demanding they get paid more money uh, for medical treatment they've already provided. A huge proportion of those, in fact, in my office, it's about 40% of the medical provider claims that we're defending are extraterritorial disputes. And what I mean by that is, the claimant or the injured worker is getting benefits under maybe the Pennsylvania workers' compensation system or the New York workers' compensation system or the Connecticut workers' compensation system, but they are traveling into New Jersey to get their surgery or to get their invasive care. And again, the reason they're doing that is because the doctors maybe have offices in both states. What I'm actually seeing is the doctors own uh, a interest in ambulatory service centers uh, in New Jersey. And so they tell their uh, patient, hey, instead of, you live in Brooklyn, uh, but instead of getting the treatment here in Brooklyn, why don't you come over to Jersey City where I own an ambulatory surgery center and I'll do the surgery over there. And patient says, sure, why not? I don't care. Uh, what do I care where I get my you know, very minor arthroscopic surgery, my rotator cuff repair, my minor surgery with probably no blood loss whatsoever. Uh, and uh, and it's really so that the provider can and hit you with these enormous costs. Uh, now, the treatment dates can exceed two years. And in fact, there's now case law that says that the medical providers can bring these claims against the carrier or self-insured for up to six years. Uh, so the statute of limitations is six years. We've had counsel representing the medical providers make all kinds of crazy arguments to the judge of compensation as to why the case should be heard by the by the court. And most commonly they're saying, well, judge, if you don't give us money here in New Jersey, we have no redress. There's no place we can go. 
Uh, and of course, that's simply not true. Uh, they also make a lot of fairness arguments where you'll, they'll appear before the judge of compensation and say, judge, this doctor, and, and they'll go through 15 different board certifications and how great of a physician this doctor is, uh, which is great. And they'll say, but judge, is this fair that what this doctor is getting for this payment? And we'll say, but why did they tell their patient to cross the river and get the treatment here in New Jersey? So you know, there's also arguments that we raise on the other side. We're also seeing a great variation uh, between what different, how different judges are handling or were handling these medical provider disputes. Uh, and so sometimes the um, counsel for the medical provider would come into court and go, well, judge, I know you're not uh, interested in, in resolving these because really they're no fun at all, but here's how this other judge is resolving. Why don't you just do what they do? And they're, they're just giving us 70 cents on the dollar, whatever we're claiming, or, or things like this, you know, sort of uh, these very blanket approaches. And we've also seen um, these cases grow and become just an overwhelming force in the workers' compensation division because you got lazy defense counsel who didn't know what to do with these things and were sort of going to their clients and saying like, okay, well, you paid them $5,800 under New York's fee schedule, but it did take place in New Jersey. Now they're demanding $61,000. Why just pay something in the middle, split the baby 50 cents? And so by paying them off, paying off the applicants, paying off these providers, it was really encouraging them to file more and more and more of these things. So, uh, you know, that certainly helped drive these things. So there's a lot of confusion about how they were to be resolved. There was no good case law explaining exactly what kind of cases were valid and which were not. And then I believe there, there was a lot of obfuscation and then some laziness. And that helped drive many of these cases into the system. All right. What are the barriers to closing these things? Well, the barriers had typically been that judges were relatively unwilling to conference these cases or to pay a ton of attention to them because the judge of compensation, uh, they're there for uh, to, to protect the injured worker, right? They're there to make sure that uh, cases are going in fairly and that justice is served. Really, when there's two a medical provider and insurance carrier fighting about who gets paid exactly what, that's not very uh, meaningful for a judge of compensation. And so oftentimes they're just sort of avoiding them. Uh, the other thing we see is parties not ready to conference these cases. You know, you finally get one of these cases teed up for a conference with a judge of compensation. The judge is ready to go, but my adversary would say, well, I got three attorneys covering the entire state and we, you know, we don't really have our proofs together. Judge, can I get a continuance or an adjournment so I can come back with more information? So these things really got sort of delayed. The other thing we see is lazy defense. I mean, in our cases, we are filing motions to dismiss as fast as we can uh, because we don't believe these cases have validity. But we see a lot of defense counsel that were just kind of like, well, pay 15 cents on the dollar, uh, really taking this middle of the road approach, which again was driving more cases. And when judges see that some of the defense or some of the employers or some of the carriers are paying something, and particularly these extraterritorial cases, the judges are saying like, hey, guys, why can't we all just pay a little bit, make these things go away and only deal with it? So it really was driving some bad results. Um, in the extraterritorial cases, and these are the ones that really are meaningful to me and the ones that we're going to talk about today, uh, oftentimes uh, my adversary, opposing counsel, come to court and say, well, judge, uh, you shouldn't rule on any of these or you should rule in our favor because there's cases pending in the appellate division, so don't make any decisions because everything you're going to say, judge, is probably going to get um, overruled at some point. Crazy things like that. Like essentially, judge, don't do your job because somebody else maybe someday up the road might do their job. I, I don't know. It was really bizarre. We fought against that very hard. Uh, and I didn't think that was a very good reason to be adjourning these cases. But the, really what we're seeing, though, is a knowledge gap. Uh, it was a big knowledge gap. And our position, particularly in light of our practice, my practice is predominantly defending New York workers' compensation cases. Uh, we are 31 attorneys. 27 of us are defending New York cases. Only four of us are defending New Jersey cases. So it gives you an idea of what the split in my 
practices were about 85% New York, about 15% New Jersey. So we're really looking at these from a New York insider perspective. We're saying like, New York has a fee schedule. We don't have these fights in New York. You know, we, we're not having these battles. And we would go into a New Jersey court and we say, Judge, it's a New York workers' comp claimant who was sent into New Jersey and got their surgery here, Judge. Why do you think New Jersey has jurisdiction over this case? They should not. The Workers' Compensation Board will resolve this issue. And, of course, now we're trying to explain another state's law to both the court and our adversary opposing counsel. They didn't want to listen, really, because they're saying, well, I'm not dealing with that, Greg. That's another state. Uh, why don't we just split the baby here? And our position had been consistently not to. So I do think that there was a knowledge gap. Uh, I did give a presentation last year at the Bench Bar Conference to talk about just this knowledge gap and sort of bring people up to speed on these intrastate issues. But now we've got something even better uh, than that. And what we have is a new case law decision. This case law decision was decided on uh, October 7th, and it says that in order for the Division of Workers' Compensation, New Jersey's courts, to have jurisdiction over a medical fee dispute, they would have to have jurisdiction over the underlying work accident itself. Boom! Drop the mic. You just won almost all of your extraterritorial cases. They should all be getting dismissed right now. If you've got any where you've been making offers to pay or resolve them, stop! Tell your attorney, stop what you're doing uh, because you should be just getting straight dismissals on those. Now, the name of the case is Anesthesia, Anesthesia Associates of Morristown versus Weinstein or Surgicare of Jersey City versus Wallbounds. And the reason this case is... Uh, this decision has such a long name is because the appellate division actually combined two appeals together on two different sets of facts and said, look, we're going to give you such a broad, uh, clear reading of the law that will apply to these cases, and it really is going to apply to like them all. So these are, this is a really great decision. Again, I dropped a link to this decision in today's chat, so please grab a copy of it. If you have any problems getting that uh, a copy of this decision, please let me know. I'll email it right to you. Okay. Here's why this decision is so good, uh, and, and particularly for my clients and particularly for anybody who's you know, got these New York workers' comp claimants who were treated in New Jersey, and all of a sudden you're, you're seeing that you have to defend these kooky, crazy medical provider claims where they're demanding $80,000, $200,000 for a single-day ambulatory surgery. Um, the decision says that New Jersey has no right, no jurisdiction, no ability to decide that case. And the fact that they couched their uh, opinion on jurisdiction is important because it means the judge of compensation has not only no ability to kind of weigh in or, or add their expertise, but they literally can't hear the case at all. What you should be doing in these cases is filing a simple motion to dismiss. Uh, this is a notice of motion, a proposed certification, which just literally says there's a pending New York case, New York retains jurisdiction, citation to case law, and a proposed form of order. And the judges should be dismissing them. In one day, we had 21 of these dismissed last week. Again, let me repeat, I had 21 of these cases dismissed in one day. So that's what we should be getting. Now, the appellate decision, which is going to drive all this activity and enable you to close all these cases, is useful because it also says, hey, even if the claimant in the New York workers' compensation case lives in New Jersey, that's not enough for New Jersey to have jurisdiction. And they also went on to say that even if the treatment takes place in New Jersey, treatment in this state alone is insufficient to create jurisdiction. So we have those cases where the person is a New Jersey resident and they go into New York City to work every day and they have an injury while at work uh, and they are now collecting New York workers' compensation benefits and now they're getting treatment back in New Jersey. You've got a very strong argument, the best argument you could possibly have, which is 
New Jersey has no jurisdiction. He just lives here. That's just not enough. Place of treatment, not enough. Those two things together, not enough. So you should, again, be getting dismissals in all of those cases. All right. Let's give you an example. Uh, let's let's talk, walk through an example. And I'm going to talk about an example which literally just came up on a file review two weeks ago uh, with a major self-insured client. And this case just came up. And and I'm going to kind of adapt the facts, but I'll, I'll give you the actual uh, numbers in this case, and it's disgusting. Uh, in this case, I have a New York workers' compensation claimant, works in New York, accident occurs in New York. In fact, this lady lives and works in Brooklyn, New York, okay? Uh, now, uh, and in that case, uh, her doctor sent her to New Jersey to get a surgery, which ended up being a four-level fusion billed the carrier over $400,000 for that surgery. It was $458,000 or so in total for that surgery. Four-level cervical disc fusion. Uh, under New York's fee schedule, that exact same procedure was $56,000. Okay, uh, That case just got thrown out uh, because of the lack of jurisdiction here in New Jersey. So that's just an amazing example. But let's give you an even uh, more typical example, and this is one I see more commonly. New York workers' comp claimant, works in New York, accident occurs in New York, but lives in New Jersey. Okay, so we're talking about a typical bridge and tunnel commuter who's going into New York and getting care. They're getting treatment in New Jersey. The medical provider files a claim against you, claiming that this is New Jersey where I'm giving you the care, and therefore I'm going to file an application for provider payment or reimbursement, which is going to be heard in New Jersey Workers' Comp Court, and I need X dollars, whatever it is, $200,000, $300,000, whatever they're charging you for their one-day procedure. If you're the carrier in this case, you should file an answer uh, statement simply to grant you uh, access to courts online and then immediately file a motion to dismiss, which should be granted. Under now, uh, that is a very typical presentation. I'm sure uh, people out there have questions about particular cases. I'm very happy to answer them today. I'll answer them in a very generalized way. I'll just say your first name so you know I'm answering your question. I'll read the facts out loud so everybody can listen, and then I will give you um, our response. Last thing I want to point out, New York has a fee schedule, and so we need to be able to answer uh, our claimants' uh, attorneys here in New Jersey who are saying, well, Judge, if you don't decide these cases, uh, my my provider is going to be out of luck, and this isn't fair to the provider. Uh, well, they're wrong. New York's fee schedule, general ground rule number uh, 16, says that uh, where there is a out-of-state treatment, uh, we'll apply a, re a relative factor, we'll do some weighing, but the fee schedule still applies, and the New York Workers' Compensation Court retains jurisdiction to decide that dispute. And that's very important, and there's actually case law on it. So, yeah. You have a copy of your lovely medical fee schedules. Uh, it's on page 19. It directly addressed treatment by out-of-state providers. I think uh, that's pretty clear, and uh, I'm very happy to provide those references to anybody who needs it as well. Um, there's also case law on it, and the case law is called Bauman versus J&J, &J, which stands for the proposition, again, that New York will decide these cases ultimately. And that's good for you as the carrier or self-insured employer because New York's going to apply their fee schedule which is going to be, you know, literally one-tenth, typically, of what we're going to see in these usual and customary demands. All right, that's the end of my prepared remarks. Uh, let's go to see if we have any um, questions for me to answer. And I'm hoping uh, there are questions. It makes this a lot more fun.
Uh, and also, if you haven't typed your question in yet, type it in now because I'm seeing there's only one right now. Uh, so hopefully while I'm answering this one for Susan, there'll be more questions pop up. So Susan says, Greg, have you seen more dismissals going through in certain court locations with certain judges more so than others? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, some of the judges have seemed, in, and we're talking about New Jersey judges right now, uh, very excited to get rid of a lot of cases all at once. Uh, and so I think that's a great thing. Um, and again, we had one judge in particular, whose name I'm not going to say, who just missed 21 of them in a day. So that's perfect. Uh, and I really think that's these, these, this is not open to debate. This is a jurisdictional issue. Uh, there really isn't a question of interpretation uh, or uh, opinion on this one. Either the Workers' Compensation Court, the Workers' Comp judge in New Jersey, has jurisdiction and can decide the case or cannot. Uh, really, it's just a matter of us saying, and here's what we have to prove. One, it's a New York workers' compensation case that's open and active, that they got treatment under the New York workers' comp case. That's what entitles them to treatment. And two, that New Jersey would have no jurisdiction over this uh, underlying loss, that the underlying workplace accident has no actual jurisdiction in New Jersey. That's relatively easy to see. In fact, uh, I, I'm telling you this should be like a one or two page attorney certification. We're using a boilerplate one, uh, so it really doesn't cost our clients much for us to get these filings in there and have the courts dismiss them. So, uh, all right. Uh, Joe says uh, he has a question, but it's off topic. All right, I answer those too, so that's fun. John, uh, John Jay says, uh, rumor has it, that the case is going to be appealed to the New Jersey Supreme Court. Yep. Uh, so my opposing counsel in these cases uh, has gone and said, uh, said, judges, don't make any decisions on these cases because we're going to appeal it further. Uh, first of all, I don't know if they are or they're not, but they're going to lose. Let me repeat that. They're going to lose. Uh, not only are they going to lose, but they're going to be laughed out of court. In the appellate decision, and you know, I don't often say this, but read this one because it's funny. The appellate division judges went out of their way to smack around counsel for the medical providers. They really said, you guys were rude. You're dismissive of the court's other opinions in this case. They laughed out loud at the constitutional argument that was made by opposing counsel. And frankly, the, the uh, arguing that they had some kind of due process right to bring claims whenever they want was ridiculous. So there's absolutely no validity uh, to the Supreme Court hearing this case and or overturning it. I really do not expect that. Take that to the bank. That's my opinion. I've been at this for a little while. It's not going to get overturned. Uh, there are no constitutional issues involved here, and that is simply uh, simply ridiculous. The other interesting thing is uh, I know opposing counsel on these cases has said to the judges that they're seeking some kind of a stay on proceedings and that no judges should decide any of these jurisdictional issues uh, until they take have their chance before the Supreme Court and they've got some sort of stay. Well, let me also clear that up. Nowhere in the New Jersey workers' compensation law does there permit a stay to be interposed because someone's taking an appeal. Nor can they appeal to the chief judge and say, judge, just stop all of these, not hundreds, but thousands of cases. Uh, which have jurisdictional issues and should be dismissed because we're going to go and take a high flyer, uh, low probability uh, chance of success appeal up to the Supreme Court. There's, there's no precedent for that happening. That's simply not going to happen. Uh, so I really don't think that that's something for us to be concerned about. All right. Uh, Kim says, Greg, provide me the link again. It's not showing up on my screen. Okay. 
So the link is in the chat. So there should be a little chat bar on the right-hand side or left-hand side, depending on where your thing is. Uh, take, a, take a gander in there, and there should be a hyperlink. If you don't get that, just email me, and I'll send it out to you, no problemo. Okay. Um, Joe asked uh, questions about the COVID bill. I'll answer them at the end. Uh, Lee says, Greg, when filing the motion to dismiss, do we need to present the New York State fee schedule evaluation? No, I don't think so. Really, uh, the court shouldn't even care or have, the, they have no right to care as to what the provider is actually going to be paid because, again, the court lacks jurisdiction. This is equivalent of, you know, someone bringing divorce claims into a New Jersey workers' comp court and then saying, well, uh, judge, you got to hear these because maybe someday, uh, I mean, just really crazy. They really don't belong before a workers' compensation judge. There's no jurisdiction. There's no grounding there. It's like having a workers' comp judge decide uh, traffic issues, traffic uh, 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 disputes. <laughs> They've got no, no jurisdiction to do this, and that's all the court said. So, no, I wouldn't overburden yourself. I think that a very light and tight motion to dismiss really should be five pages, start to finish, um, should be granted by the courts. Uh, I also would tell you that we are doing them individually, so we're not doing any group motions. We are putting multiple claim captions in together. We're doing one individually for each case, explaining exactly why this case is ripe for dismissal. So uh, that's what we're doing. Now, uh, I didn't talk about this yet, but uh, the ability perhaps to go back in time, reopen any of these pending ones, because remember, if the court has no jurisdiction, they've never had jurisdiction. It's not like something changed. And so for that reason, if you have old pending uh, medical provider apps that you're not certain what to do with, the answer is don't stop paying and really take a look as to whether this extraterritorial dismissal avenue will work for you. I can tell you that in my caseload population, it's about 40%. It's, it's uh, you know, well more than 100 cases that are going to be dismissed uh, in the next couple of weeks for us. All right. Uh, so uh, there is one off-topic question from Joe. Any updates on the on the presumptive aspect of the New Jersey COVID bill? Nope. Uh, and uh, have you seen any med payers seek recovery back to March 9th for COVID-related payments they've made? Nope, hasn't happened. We have not seen a spike in New Jersey COVID-related claims. Just haven't seen it at all. In fact, I can tell you that out of our New Jersey caseload population, uh, which is you know, constantly coming in. It's about 50% medical provider claims. It's about 50% everything else. And we have very few COVID-19 cases uh, in New Jersey, single digit. Not the same story as New York. New York, um, we had a high of about 51. And in New York, we've been successful. We've got about 35, 40% of our caseload dismissed so far. And we do think everything is going to end up getting dismissed. Frankly, I haven't seen any real specific determinate act cases that I think are going to be good. Uh, so that's a little bit of an update on COVID-19, but again, not, not popping yet. We haven't really seen it moving. We haven't seen uh, applications for provider payment um, relating back to that March 9th effective date. Uh, really hasn't moved the needle from our perspective. I'd be interested to learn about how that's working for you. Uh, I know certainly that a lot of clients, uh, a lot of my self-insureds are saying, you know, we're just accepting medical onlys. And for that reason, I won't see them. They just will never come across my radar screen. And they're maybe doing that, um, you know, out of sense of sympathy or just trying to do the best thing they can for their employees. Uh, but we really haven't seen that it pop in terms of litigation. All right. I think that's all the questions. 
If I haven't answered your question or you can get a chance to type it in, please feel free to reach out to me. Uh, it was a pleasure speaking to you today. It was, it was a pleasure discussing something where we're actually going to get some movement, get a lot of cases dismissed. That's going to reduce exposure to my clients. All right, I hope everybody has a great rest of your week. Uh, great. Uh, I'll see you next month uh, for our next topic. Okay, bye.